Welcome to Building the Future, hosted by Kevin Horick. With millions of listeners a month, Building the Future has quickly become one of the fastest rising programs with a focus on interviewing startups, entrepreneurs, investors, CEOs, and more. The radio and TV show airs in 15 markets across the globe, including Silicon Valley. For full showtimes, past episodes, or to sponsor the show, please visit buildingthefutureshow.com. Welcome back to the show. Today we have Sarah Miller. She's the CEO of Access PR and Entertainment and the founder of the Media Excellence Awards. Sarah, welcome back to the show. Thank you. It's good to be back. Yeah, I'm excited to have you back on the show. Um, so, you know, welcome back. And I'm excited to be a media partner of the Media Excellence Awards for the second year of your 11th year. <laughs> I know. It seems like it was just yesterday, but we're excited to have you back. We love working with you on your show. Yeah, well, and you guys sent me some really good guests, and then I got to meet them in person. And it's always really cool to meet kind of people that I've had on the show in person because sometimes they're kind of similar and sometimes they're quite different and it's interesting, right? Just to get the different dynamics. Yeah, I think that so much changes in the tech sure. space within yeah. two or three months' time. So I'm sure everybody has updates and more things that have evolved from the last time you spoke with them too. Sure. So everybody's really excited to have you back. Very cool. So maybe before we get into kind of what exactly the Media Excellence Awards and Access is, maybe let's get to know you a little bit better and start off with where you grew up. Where I grew up, so I was born in California, but I mean, I okay. grew up and was raised in Arizona. Okay. So definitely a West Coast person. Sure. So walk me through kind of uh, being born in California, going to Arizona, and then how did you journey back to California? That's so funny. I, when people ask me that, I feel like it's such a long road to how I got here. But sure. my first job out of college, oddly enough, was running events and marketing for UCSD and Scripps Medicine Education and Research Foundation. So we did all the continuing education conferences to all the different areas of medical, from the nephrology, cancer research, um, Pulmonary, we just ran all the continuing education conferences to the university so doctors could continue to keep their licenses up to date and learn more in innovative ways to save lives. So that was my first job. And then after that, you know, I headed over to the financial industry, which I decided after four years, that wasn't going to be a good fit. But um, I used my marketing skills, created a huge radio show down in San Diego for the financial industry. And then after that, I kind of went back to Arizona, stayed there running an international company, doing a lot of traveling, and then boomeranged back to California again, up to San Francisco, and then to L.A., but I've been in the PR industry and technology ever since then. Very cool. So walk me through kind of creating Access Entertainment, and, and what exactly do you guys kind of do? That's like the funniest story. So when I talk to startups, you know, everybody's go oh, do a business plan, do a business plan. You know, put your go-to-market <laughs> plan together, and it's so funny. And I'm like the worst example I think of what I preach to others because I ran. I was working for a huge PR firm, a global agency, okay. um, and all the hardcore tech stuff. When the economy started kind of shifting gears and layoffs up in Silicon Valley. I left with one of my digital clients um, kind of temporarily to figure out what I was going to do. And I think it was like after a Giants baseball game, 
with friends over beers. And then I realized, you know what? I'm just going to stay in my own and figure it out for a while. And then next thing I knew, um, I had a client or two. A friend of mine did the website. The name came about. I like, was on a napkin. Like I had no business plan. I just thought it was temporarily. <laughs> and then like 16 years later, you know, I'm one of the top PR firms in tech and entertainment. So that was kind of the weirdness about starting the agency was I didn't really think through. I didn't have to bootstrap. I didn't have a business plan. And I got very lucky. I had one or two amazing clients who believed in me, who we did a great job for. But it just, I just kept going with what I had. And same for the MEAs. It was 11 years ago. I had this idea when I was running Mobile Mondays, a affinity networking group globally, that we should honor these startups because we did nothing but startup work. And I'm like, it's hard to get recognition for startups when all these big brands want to white label user technology, but they're not going to allow them to talk about it, you yeah. know, if they're their client or what they're doing with them. And, you know, it gets harder to um, get leadership in the global economy when everybody's fighting for press and exposure and you can't talk about any of your big brands and what you're doing. So we created this like little awards networking event over the holidays just to kind of recognize some of these startups. Because I had a few startups that were doing a tremendous job, and but they weren't really getting the recognition because their brands wouldn't let them talk about it. And so we created the MEAs, and what's interesting, Daniel Tibbet, who I know you've spoken yep, to, yep. Very who's nice now guy. the CEO of LA Networks, he was working for GoTV Networks way back when, and that's when I created and thought we should do the MEAs, because these guys are working really hard. Daniel's a tremendous executive in the mobile and content space. And so I created this one-off little event, and... We were, it was great. It was successful. And then I get all these phone calls the following spring. Hey, when are submissions open again? And I'm like, submissions for what? It was a one-off project. So I'm like, okay, I'm bringing the board back, bringing all the sure. guys back in, like Mark Deachin at Fremantle, Jim Cannell from the Grammys, John Ruby from AEGU. I just brought everybody back in. And I'm like, okay, just be on the board again well, one more year just because it's our reputation. Access produced it. It's, you know, we want to give back one more year so people don't think that we're just blowing them off and we did the second year which was successful and then in year three people started calling again so I'm like okay three years the th- third time's a charm and then we're done with this annual event and then I just like after I think a bunch of like events or glasses of wine I was talking to you know Allison Dollar at sure. ITV Alliance and and I'm like, we need to make this legit because I have one more year. And that's just, just, everybody kind of rallied all these people that I know you know that are very influential CEOs in technology. You know, like, it's a great idea. It's a great event. Let's just keep it going. We have the website built. And again, no blueprint, no go-to-market plan. It was just a one-off event that got a little out of hand and got a little too big. <laughs> and... We were just going to leave on a high note, and then 11 years later, here we are again doing our 11th annual MEAs, and all of these amazing people that were on the board working at startups, really supporting what we were doing by giving back to the industry with an awards event that honors leadership and innovation and technology, they're still on the board. They're still involved with the bigger company. So it's interesting to see how you create a platform for the industry, by the industry, to give back to the industry, how many people 
really do support and stick along through all the ups and downs of 11 years of planning and awards because we still have almost the same executive committee that we started with 11 years ago, which is really nice. So it really becomes a family. Yeah, no, it, it's actually quite fascinating talking to some of these people and hearing kind of their stories. It's It was wild to me because a lot of those guys and girls created stuff can't remember exactly what it was doing like video streaming online and they were like the first big company and then you know and they were backed and they were getting a big company to sponsor this and it's just like it's wild to talk to the people that created the technology that I grew up kind of playing with and like idolizing right and it's weird 10 plus years later being talking to the people when you're like I remember when that came out and I was laying with that and then you're like fast forward 10 years and you're talking to the person that created that or was like part of the team that did that right and that to me really kind of fascinating right and hearing kind of the struggles and their journey to get it to that kind of out in the public eye right because like it sounds crazy now video streaming online was terrible 10, 15 plus years ago, right? Like it just wasn't really around. Well, this guy created this there and you're like, wow, right? Like I remember that. And so it's kind of wild for me as well. Yeah, in those days. And I think it's interesting. I think, and we've had some really good um, finalists. Sure, very much And then winners who have been around who submitted from day one because last year in Turkey, they have been submitting for like, seven, eight years in a row, I mean, they'll submit to a three in one year or eight or nine. They're the largest carrier in all of Turkey. So they've been around. So we've seen a lot of global companies really grow over the past eight years. We've seen a lot of startups grow and come back and submit for new products. You know, some of these brand agencies like Sapien, who has big brand initiatives of consumer engagement or delivery via cell phone or using mobile, you know, to better improve either a marathon rate or curating museum artwork, they keep coming back. So we're able to really see how some of these companies and their technologies have evolved year over year over year. Yeah, or even talking to some of the companies that actually built some of the technologies that kind of won awards in the past is also kind of fascinating too. Yeah, we're, we're always trying to stay ahead of the game. I mean, as you know, VR and AR, last year was a good year for VR. Like music... Yeah. We music was such a big category for us. In the past three or four years, this has died out. It's just in mobile and technology, music just hasn't quite broken through the ceiling to be revenue drivers. So we don't really get a lot of music in anymore like sure. we used to. The industry shift, you know, things change. And so we kind of keep ahead of stuff, keep some of the categories relevant, some of the content updated. We're really excited about the crypto market. Sure. I love that market. I think it's an emerging market. So we're hoping next year it's going to get to the point to where everybody's educated enough and there's enough companies out there who understand how to make it work and what it's about so we can start opening more submissions and more categories for. So we're always looking at how the involvement of innovation and technology and who's who and who's doing what. Sure. No, I I think that's great. So maybe let's dive a little bit deeper into kind of the Media Excellence Awards. And I I think you give kind of a pretty good overview, but what kind of categories are you looking for this year? And and what exactly can people kind of expect from uh, the event in January? 
Well, a category that we have about 22 or 23 categories from VR, AR. We have esports on there, games, video delivery, apps, content, extended marketing programs. We kind of cover the whole gamut of the mobile ecosystem. Then we have our premier awards, humanitarian awards, the industry star awards, and the social one. Right. And the board chooses those. So submissions are open until October 25th, but like the committee really scouts out and finds you know, that mobile ambassador, that humanitarian award. You know, these companies and people that are using technology to better the world, leave a better footprint, help the community grow, create a solution to a problem or a crisis. And so we're really getting more in-depth into some of these bigger companies globally that are using technology on a purely, I want to say, nonprofit level to help save lives and animals and the other countries that are in need from water, food, shelter via the mobile or technology. So we're really seeing more people step up and come to light in that area as well. So we're trying to honor those kinds of companies to help them bring awareness because they, they have the technology and the innovation to use the technology we have every day to save lives or to make a difference. And that's important to us. Since last year, we had a great company win the Humanitarian Award. So we're going to kind of carry that theme through to find leaders that are using technology for a good. But the, all the other categories will be, you know, leadership innovation from technology, apps, games, sports, you know, VR, et cetera. Yeah, very cool. Yeah, and like there's a full list in, on uh, the Media X, uh, the letter yeah. X, and then awards.com if people can get more information there. And the, the thing that was interesting um, to me as well is you have all these people in the room, right? It was great kind of networking and, and talking to some of these people, right? Because it's kind of rare, I think, to have those kind of heavy hitters in, in the space kind of all in one room, kind of one evening, right? Is that fair to say? Yeah, it is. I mean, we, we definitely do invite only. I mean, everybody there is a respective high-end executive, CEO, CTO, innovator who built, grew, or directly responsible for the success of their companies or their technology divisions. And it's important for them not just to educate others and what they've been doing, but to learn from other leaders what they're working on and everything. So it's good that we have that kind of crowd together which is, I think, why the MEAs has been so successful, because in networking itself, you don't have a chance to be in a room of high-powered influencers and executives all at one time. Sure. And we felt that last year, because I know there were so many people crowding you <laughs> to interview with you that I was thinking he's not going to get out to interview, or he's not going to get out to network or meet new people because <laughs> you were just bombarded. Every time we turned around, yeah. there was a line of people wanting to talk to you. It was fun. I... I... I actually met some really cool people, though. Like, I, I got a little bit of networking in, which was good. And then a few of the people that I actually got to interview kind of live, um, I hadn't met before or had on the show. So that was kind of fascinating, right? And it's it's funny because, I obviously, I have the stats of that stuff. And I've been, like, some of those interviews still get quite a bit of traffic. And it's interesting, right? Because some of those interviews were, like, 5, 10 minutes. And it's interesting that some of them still get quite a bit of traffic, right? So it's, it's interesting, right, to kind of... You put something out there and then it's just there forever and it captures this kind of moment in time, which has always kind of fascinated me about the yeah, whole kind of space. Yeah, awesome. I mean, you know, you've done a great job with your show. 
I mean, for, from us being involved with you, it's been over a little over a year now. Like, we've seen yep. your audience has grown from like seven to over almost nine million globally. So, we love the fact that these innovators and people are talking to you and that you're exposing new technology and new executives, you know, into your platform and to the world of what they're doing. So, I think it's important. I think getting global exposure. Yeah, it's critical for any company right now. You just can't stay in your own backyard and focus on today. You got to focus on expanding your footprint in the industry, in other markets, and kind of opening up to see what's out there. Because you never know. Well, I, I think that's actually really interesting because the the thing that I've been trying to stress a lot on the show the last little while is ge- geography really doesn't matter in a lot of cases, right? And I think you're in the states. I'm in Canada. Right now, as we're recording this, we've been kind of partnered on this for over a year. Geographic doesn't really matter. And to be fair, even if we both lived in L.A., we would probably still do this over the phone because sometimes like getting around L.A. can be the traffic can be fun some days. Right. So I think that can also translate into the startup game. Like I've had a lot of people on the show where their co-founders are in two different countries. Right. And their teams kind of scatter throughout the world. And. I think more and more that becomes kind of more of the norm. And I also think just being able to think globally, your entire startup has a global kind of market and not just locally. Not all the time, but I think a lot of the time. And so many people think if I just sell X amount of things, everybody in California, I'll I'll be rich. Why wouldn't you think about like, why don't you try to sell that to everybody in the world, right? Well, yeah, scalable. A lot of these other technologies got to be scalable. But we have clients as a PR firm. We have clients that are in New York. They've been out yeah. the country. They're not most. None of them, I think, are based in LA. Interesting. But they don't care. I mean, I mean, but I think technology's made it easier. You know, there's Uvu and people use Skype still. Yeah. You could communicate and talk. And a lot of international companies do want to bridge over into the US market. And a lot of startups yeah. in the US want to bridge over to more emerging markets. So they have to figure out how to get over there, how to get exposed, what to do. And I think a lot of companies, when you're startups, it's hard. I mean, it's a grind being a startup. But you've got to like kind of focus on what you're doing right now on a daily operational basis. But you've got to think ahead. You've got to get ahead of the industry, get ahead of the market, You know, think a little more globally out of the box what's going to be going on six months, a year down the road. So everything you do could work synergistically to get from point A to point B. And I think people do need to kind of embrace. I need bigger footprint, which means I've got to spread my wings a little bit more. So we ran across a lot of startups who sure. they don't want to focus two months ahead, six months ahead. Well, they don't know if they have the money. They don't know what's going to happen. And I'm always like, if you can't take that risk or you're not able to or you're too afraid to or you're not prepared to you probably shouldn't be in a startup because yeah, those all of those things are going to be against you and there's a good chance you're not going to be around in six months so you really have to come to the startup world knowing that you need to be prepared to bankroll from the R&D phase to the launch phase to a good year or so after on expansion if you don't hit you that go to market you're never going to make it and a lot of startups are afraid to plan that far ahead being in it's like being in the stock market it's risky you just sure. got to stay focused 
and make it work. But we've had some really good startups with the MEAs that once they won an award within like a year or so, they got big, they went through a huge M&A. So we're proud of some of these startups that we've tracked. And then sure. other startups that, you know, are just coming out and they need the awards, they need to get recognized, they need the exposure. So we see all facets of the startup industry from every stage from, okay, we just launched within a year, so we have all these great new products or services that are just now coming out in the past five years. So it's good to really support the entire ecosystem because everybody, I think, needs a little bit of help and could use the help and should get the help they need to grow and become successful. No, I 100% agree with you. So I want to dive a little bit deeper into kind of Access PR and Entertainment. Um, obviously, you're, you're a PR and entertainment firm, but you guys do, do you want to talk a bit about kind of what you guys do and how you work with companies? I mean, we're a strategic, creative, full-service PR firm. Okay. Uh, we actually just won our own awards two months ago for 2018 for Best in PR and a Legacy to do one oh, PR firm for the past five years. So we are not just programming a, an awards program to sure. honor innovation, leadership, and others. We're actually winning our own, which is great. But everything we do is um, strategic. You know, we're not publicists. We don't deal with individual celebrities. We don't hold their purses or their gowns on the red carpet. <laughs> we're not that kind. Sure. We're a full public relations company from the strategy, from the launch, from the digital mobile platforms, you know, from running events for them, you know, pushing out social media, getting the strategy, locking down awards you know, white papers, getting them listed in magazines, getting them interviews. I mean, we really look at the strategy, work with the CEOs directly. We do make introductions, which I know we're not a PD company or sales, we are PR, but because we have the influence and the reach from the MEAs and our own reputation, we'll always keep an eye out and make introductions for our clients, especially the startups, to bigger brands just because we're able to make those connections. So we really help get these guys off the ground, get them launched in the market to that next phase. We've done a lot of M&A work more than most agencies. So a lot of our startups have gone through M&As. It's kind of bittersweet. We love the client, but then they're being sold or they right. sold or they merged. But, you know, I'm still friends with all of them. And they've done a tremendous job. But we're really full-service strategic and creative public relations and entertainment. We don't really do one-off individual publicity for people. Got you. No, that makes sense, right? And I, I also think that keeps it kind of interesting and fun for you guys as well, right? Because promoting kind of the latest and greatest things kind of coming out of at least selfishly kind of the tech community would be fascinating to me, right? And then being able to talk to these people, it's always kind of cool, right? Yeah, I mean, it's technology. It's, we, we focus on, obviously, technology and entertainment, but yeah. we also focus on the lifestyle brand. So some of our clients that we've worked with, well, we worked with AG for five, six years okay, with John wow. Ruby, but we, we, know, we didn't do the publicity for Bon Jovi, Black Eyed Peas, the Global Poverty Con, uh, Conference and event in Central Park, the Global Citizens eight bands all day eradicating global poverty around the world. A lot of these things we've done, it's the technology, it's the streaming, it's the digital, right. it's the mobile stuff we've taken out into the market that we've worked on. So we've never really, we don't work with the individual artists. We work on the technology platform with Sony Music Entertainment 
again, it was all the games that come out right, of Sony right. and the digital side and the digital platforms that they're using. So we consider that there's still startups within the big brands. Yeah, that was one thing that was kind of fascinating to me too is like a lot of these big guys are kind of doing their own kind of mini startups inside, right? Because I think they have to to stay relevant, right? Well, they're, they're innovating. I mean, there are, some of these guys are smart. They know yeah. that if they don't have a full platform, digital and mobile, and they're not driving to hit that con- those consumers, no matter where they are on any of their tablets or cell phones, they're going to start losing market share. And this is a big problem. Sure. A lot of them, like a lot of the studios, feel like, oh, well, you know, should make this money immediately. It's not an immediate revenue driver for some of these bigger companies. Sure. It's an R&D. You've got to have the teams in there to figure out what their goal is, get that content out, work on the technology. So they do run them like small stops within the big companies. We did a huge marketing intelligence survey in the music industry. We had Billboard and a few other big companies involved in it years back. And it's when the music industry started changing and 70% of the industry said record labels are not adapting to new technology mediums like mobile and digital. Right. They were fighting for every penny and nickel on the rights management side. They refused to get bigger expansion and footprints for their artists with the content and the music. So they weren't adopting to it, which is why I think the music industry has shifted out the technology realm. And there's a lot of companies that come to market to make it easier for individual artists to get their EPKs out, to get on radio, to do what they need to do because labels just aren't going to use the technologies as they should. So I think it's interesting some of these bigger companies are adapting to and using the new technologies to reach consumers to give them a better fan base engagement and the UI is better. But then there's some that are just staying away. They're sticking to their core competency of what they do and what they know. So it's interesting to see how the industries have evolved up and down based on the market and technology, if they're going to adapt to it and embrace it or not. Yeah, no, it's interesting. The other thing that was quite fascinating to me, I had Mark Deachen on the show um, through you as well, and his they were building an entire network of shows that were shot decades ago, right? And people were loving like the old game shows, um, you know, that were shot the 60s and 70s, right? And it's interesting yeah. now with the internet that you can basically watch a show that was filmed days ago or like decades ago, literally like in the same app, one right after another, right? And it doesn't really matter. Sure, the clothes and probably the the color of the footage is, is different. But if it's if it was a good show decades ago, it's still probably a good show now. And people are kind of consuming stuff that was you know, shot decades ago or kind of days ago, which is really quite fascinating that we're kind of in this time where it doesn't really matter anymore when something was actually recorded. Yeah, I know it's interesting. Um, I'm not sure if you spoke with Mark recently or not. Not recently. I know he, yeah, I know he's, he should be, I know he's going to be on your show in the next few weeks. You know, he's now GM of Fremantle. Oh, he's very promoted. Cool. His, his whole, from a year ago compared to now, I think all of our board is going, they've all evolved. And he's getting more into the content, bringing back the content that people sat on, but watched over and over sure. every day years ago. He's kind of bringing old school back into yeah. the market through Fremantle, through Buzz, which is exciting to see. It's exciting to see how Mark's evolved and grown over the past five years in the industry because he worked on Amped. He worked 
at these small startups. Sure, yeah, yeah. And then he went to Sony Digital. Then he was running Sony Pictures on the digital side, and now he's him at Fremantle's Buzz, and it's amazing how he's kind of gone out of the box to bring in more and more shows and revive older shows that are huge hits right now on TV. Sure. It, it does seem like that's kind of one of the big trends on TV is kind of re-energizing these kind of older shows and they're bringing back a ton of shows even starting kind of this fall like a bunch of shows that have been off the air for you know uh, years are, are back or they're remaking them or they're bringing them back with a new cast it, it's quite fascinating right yeah so what's what's coming back what was that big concert roseanne that's now it came the back Connors. from like years ago yeah and now it's the Connors. yeah well, yeah. for a lot of other obvious reasons yeah but a lot of these older shows Look at all these game shows like yeah. Pyramid and World well, Fortune. They're all coming back with the new revamp. You know, like Love Connection. Still, yeah. Like Love it's Connection. interesting, it's right? It's still the same show. It's like the old dating show where yeah, the girls yeah. behind the screen. And yep. I was asking all these questions for these guys of vice versa. Now there's a whole dating show where it's the exact same concept, but up to speed, and they have to propose right then and there. Interesting. Yeah, I haven't seen that, but that's that's interesting. So what else have you kind of seen or, or do you think is coming? Because I think the, the interesting thing to me about kind of being in tech for a couple of decades now is some of the trends kind of come, have kind of come gone and then come back again. Obviously, it's different. It's just it, it seems like we kind of repeat ourselves. Maybe obviously it gets better every time it kind of comes back. But where do you think things are going or what do you kind of predict in the next like couple years will be kind of more popular than it is now? Because my opinion, VR seemed hot. It doesn't seem as hot anymore. Do you kind of agree with that? I, you know, without getting in trouble, because I do have to stay agnostic. Sure, sure. For, um, for their maze. But, you know, look, I think VR and AR, VR was a huge buzz. It was yeah. all over the place. And I don't think it went anywhere. I sure. think it was just kind of became one of those things where, you know, companies couldn't cut it. There's one or two that really made it big. Um, Next VR, yeah. I think they won yeah. one of the MEAs last yeah, year. Yeah, last year. Uh, they just made but it they're doing it a bit year. different, right? So, Their VR is like literally you're inside a live sporting event, right? Or you're at some sort of thing. Or, or you're on stage at a concert. So, well, VR is going to be great for the gaming space. Yeah, sure. It's um. It's not, it's, it's hard. It's like, remember the 3D days? Like, yeah. we ran, when we were with AEG, we did the Black Eyed Peas, the end world tour. It was like the last tour, the Black Eyed Peas. And it was the first time ever a concert was broadcast simultaneously in 3D right. as a concert was live. And this was great because all I am and the team were playing to the 3D cameras sure. in third dimension. It was amazing. But, 3D never made a big, the big studios on the big shows, yeah, they have the budget. Spielberg has budgets. These guys, sure. Cameron, have budgets. They could do these huge film blockbusters in 3D. But majority of the industry, 99%, just, it wasn't worth it. It wasn't scalable. I feel like VR is kind of going down that same path. It was huge. It was buzzworthy. And it was trying to figure it out. But then it didn't really scale to where it wanted. So there's a few VR companies left. And a lot of it's just going into whether it's advertising or the gaming industry. Yeah, I think gaming industry would be huge for VR, but I don't really think it has the power to scale as big as I thought. But that's the whole thing with these trends. Like eSports, I love sports. 
But sure. I'm not, but I'm not the right demographic. But I was never a gamer growing oh, up. Okay. I was never into games, and I don't think sitting there watching a bunch of kids play video games for hours is that exciting. I'd be on my phone working or scamming <laughs> social media. I wouldn't be really paying attention. So I don't think esports. I think it's a fancy term to kind of revive a dying industry to make gaming bigger, more public to the consumer to get more brands. To advertise because think about it. big brands want to reach millions of people within their demographics at the same time. That's why music and these big sporting events are big. So I think the esports industry just thought, let's kind of give it a sexier term, esports, get more money pumped into the industry. But I don't think esports is just gaming. It's just the same as the gaming industry. So I think a lot of these industries and technologies do kind of circle back around and evolve with a new name, a little more advanced. But it's kind of like that old school way, coming back with a new facelift, a new look, a new feel, and a more evolved technology. My big thing is um, the cryptocurrency yeah, and the um, blockchain technology. Those are the two technologies that I'd like to see grow and get involved with. I mean, I'm intrigued by the entire concept of the crypto market now. And I know you spoke to Randy Crowder yeah, about that yeah. on the crypto side. And they're looking at doing an entire cryptocurrency market through the SEC. Yeah. So that's what I'm definitely interested in. A lot of companies I've met with are doing their ICOs, so yeah. taking in crypto versus cash. I think that's a little risky yeah, because if I was an investor and I want to give you $5 million, I want to know that within a year or two I'm going to get cash back or the crypto market it's not regulated yet yeah. and same as bitcoin people said hey we put in 20,000 where our bitcoins worth 20 or 30,000 or 200,000 that's great but if somebody hacks in or you lose it it's not fdi assured there's not a lot you're going to do with it once it's gone it's gone and there's no trace of it which is the problem so i'm not really big into the Bitcoin space, but the crypto market does, after talking to Randy Crowder a lot yeah. about it, I am intrigued about what's going on in that space. I think that's going to change a little bit. It's going to change the landscape of the exchange rates with these guys doing ICOs and looking at the crypto markets. I think big, uh, McDonald's just ran a bunch of ads. They have their own crypto wallet for yeah. go that. on and use your Big Mac, your, your Mac crypto coins and get food and Big Macs and stuff. So I think there's a lot of technologies out there, but we see some of these big brands spend millions on advertising to launch it. I think there's some weight in that, but that's definitely one of the areas that's going to stick around. Yeah, that's fair. And I also think McDonald's, hopefully this doesn't happen, but they have kind of the background and, and the cash and probably the security and the tech team make sure they don't get hacked. And if they do get hacked, they can kind of you know recover from that, right? Where... A cryptocurrency, if they get hacked, it's kind of over for them, right? In in a lot of cases, not all the time, but it's interesting, right? I don't have a lot of intel to really answer those questions. I, this is sure. why I like having the conversations with somebody like a Randy Crowder, who's yeah, yeah. been involved, who was in the founder of Crypto Watch, because I do have a lot of questions. But you know, I look at some of these bigger companies. I mean, regardless of the cash they have on hand or the brand and the market share. If they're smart enough to use technology to yeah. make it easier for consumers to purchase and buy and download, the more to them, I think it's a great yeah. way to go. Sure. Well, and I think it also builds a lot of brand loyalty, right? That Because certain people, there's, well, 
love kind of just playing with new technology, right? And sometimes I just want to try their, you know, cryptocurrency, right? Which is interesting. If you, I don't, I want to do a crypto category for the MEAs. Okay. But next year, I just maybe? feel like, yeah, I just feel like maybe next year, but I feel like right now, everybody's still trying to jump on the bandwagon. Yeah, I see a lot of people that I know that have been trying to do their own startup, do their own thing, consult for the past few years. They didn't really have a home base. They're just kind of floating around, yeah. trying to say, oh, I'm in VR. Oh, now I'm in this. Oh, now I'm in this. Like, what exactly is it that you do? Because every year you're in a whole different headspace. That, and they keep changing. And I'm seeing them all buzzing around social media. Oh, I'm at the crypto. Or I'm doing at this crypto thing, at this crypto conference. They're like, wait a second, because you're in mobile. You're in VR. You're yeah, doing digital platform. Now you're in crypto all within two years. So I think everybody's jumping into the bandwagon. Sure. Because they find it fun and they think there could be a big, this could be a big payday. But I think the companies that are driving into the market are the ones that Randy was talking about at Funware. They're going through the system. They got millions of consumers to various brands as clients and they're going to you know, download and launch that crypto wallet because every major brand they're working with like McDonald's and so forth are all into the crypto space so it's going to be interesting to see who's a leader there and who rises above all the fray and noise over this next year in crypto but we would love to do crypto because sure. I feel like there's a lot of value there in the MEA it's going to be a matter of seeing which companies and startups actually are going to be able to make it and pull through because you figure the first year or two of buzz is really their sweet spot and then yep. they get snapped up, they yeah. go through m as they get absorbed or they die in the vine and realize this was fun while it lasted but I'm on to the next big thing. But we're always looking, we're always, I'm always looking for new technologies and new things to add to the MEA. So, you know, we keep an eye out. We take suggestions. Sure. We look well, at the research to make sure well, you've even kind of, um, you know, adapted uh, the Media Excellence Awards because a couple of years ago you called it the Mobile Excellence Awards because of kind of the boom in mobile in the last kind of decade, right? I think people forget like, the iPhone's only 10, 11 years old, right? I, the thing is, is because mobile was a standalone. It was, sure. oh my God, mobile's big. It wasn't a buzzword for like OVR or crypto or blockchain. It was mobile. Everybody needed to adapt to the ways walking around with smarter cell phones in their pockets. So as a standalone, every industry in the vertical stood on its own with mobile while we had so many of these categories. The sports wanted mobile music, content, brands, TV, as everybody was mobile, mobile, mobile. But as we were ahead of the game totally. and kind of got ahead of where mobile was going, why the MEA shot up and did so well the first six, seven, eight years in the last year or so, mobile was no longer standalone. Mobile is just part of your entire platform. Yeah, it's expected, Everybody's right? Mobile. You're standing at Starbucks, you're mobile. You're driving around, yeah. you're mobile. Everything is mobile. So it's just a multi-platform approach. So we kind of moved the MEAs from Mobile Excellence Awards to Media Excellence Awards. And we're still the MEAs as the MEAs, same categories. But it opens it up a little bit more to where you are you're driving something into the market using all platforms. And that second screen, third screen approach always bounces off through the mobile. So we've kind of opened it up so it wasn't so narrow. So yeah. I feel like the mobile is not a standalone anywhere. 
So we well, we want to keep the MEA name for branding purposes because we had sure. a long legacy of it. So we're still MEAs, but it's just now all things mobile and media. No, I think that makes a lot of sense, right? Because you're right. Like some of the categories that you guys have now wouldn't really fit under the mobile head or banner. But I think that's also important to kind of mention, right? That you guys have kind of adapted to the trends and what's kind of happening as well. Your award shows staying current with kind of what's happening in technology and and the startup space and even just kind of in the tech world, right? Which I think is kind of fascinating in itself. I mean, I wanted multi-platform because technically everything we do from engaging the consumer to driving content, entertainment, utility, it's all multi-platforms. I could go online, yeah, I could do my mobile. I, it's a multi-platform, but I don't think multi-platform excellence awards. It was way too much. Like So we just kept it MEAs and put it down to media. But I, I do think there's a lot of people who have great initiatives, and they still have a, they're still using the mobile somewhere within that platform, and they need to be recognized. Globally, it's interesting as well, because I think there's a few marks that are more advanced than we are. In the US. Interesting. Okay. They're, a little, they're much further ahead. Like, I talked to these guys after the MEAs last year. They're in town from Singapore. They were British guys. They sold a huge ad agency media company buyout over in Europe, and they decided to get into a whole blockchain technology and entertainment and content play, and they were kind of doing a global jump on investors, relations, and a bunch of other stuff because they were doing an ICO. Right. I mean, they did the ICO, and they were before crypto even became the buzzword, right. as big as it is here. So I think there's other markets. I mean, we had Singapore Airlines come in yeah. last year. I think they won yeah. one award. They won award, a couple of awards, I think. These, yeah, because there are two or three of them. We've had a few of these global guys just because they're a little further advanced in the sure. emerging markets. So it's, it's good to see it's really good to see what's emerging overseas as compared to here. I mean, we've really, like I said, we've seen, I've seen Turksville grow over the past nine years. They've been involved in MEAs based on what they've submitted. They went from the pure, you know, cell carrier in Turksville to some huge initiatives and won a humanitarian award one year with Angelina Jolie on Michael. a whole mobile spread to bring awareness to countries and these villages of people in need, women who desperately needed cell phones and sure. needed access to learn and to educate, to have a career and to know what's out there and have a thing to do research on in the mobile. So we've seen a lot of global initiatives that really dig into expand the messaging of how powerful mobile really is globally. So I think that's exciting to see when these companies come back with bigger campaigns. Yeah, no, that makes sense. So I'm curious to get your thoughts on, at a bigger company, higher up kind of buy into kind of innovating in the space. Because in my experience, it seems you, you basically need that kind of buy-in or it's maybe not dead in the water, but it's really hard to kind of push some boundaries. Have you kind of found that? It seems like the people that you've gotten me on the show, you know, even their bosses very much kind of buy into what they're doing and, and trying to push things forward. Would, would you agree with that? I, mean, I think it's important. I think you have to. If you don't have all your ducks in a row, I mean, you yeah. get to a point, like you said, you only go so far in sure. the traditional ways of 
driving a business, you have to figure out how to get access to billions of people to download, purchase, buy, engage, convert them over from browsers to buyers. And I think a lot of these bigger companies have these initiatives. I think it's hard because I do think it's finding the right person. I know a lot of executives who are tremendous, smart. I mean, I really like them a lot. But, you know, after a year or two in a big company, they're just hitting their head against the wall because higher-ups or revenues aren't being put into it because they're not seeing immediate results. So they're going to go and just go back to the traditional ways that we talked about. Studios are big on that. And these people end up, you know, in a year or two later, yeah. you know, they end up elsewhere. And I, I do see that a lot. I do think people, it's an education if your company really is educated on how the technology is going to work for you and help them grow, they've got to back it. It's got to be siloed into a whole different revenue stream that this is an R&D. We're going to go out with a multi-platform approach or mobile or whatever it is you're going to do. And I see a lot of executives that are just hitting their head against lot of these companies don't get it or they decide six months, a year later, yeah, it's not going to start as quick as we want, so we're just going to go back to doing traditional TV and not do anything when it comes to mobile or multimedia. But then two, three years later, when the cycles return, they're super anxious. Oh, my God, we could reach tons of consumers and fans and more brand advertising, so we're going to bring all the mobile and technology back in-house. And then they realize, okay, we don't understand it, so we're just going to let that go again and go back to traditional ways. I've seen that cycle repeated. So. Sure with the studios and labels over and over over the past 10, 15 years. And it's just going to be kind of redundant to try to do something when you're not really supporting or understanding what you're doing. You're just recycling executives through the door. And that does bother me a little bit that I'm seeing that because I think there's a lot of potential. And I've seen some very smart tech people go in and have brilliant plans for the company. And then a year later, they're just like, I'm done. <laughs> I just hit my head against the wall too many times. And that does bother me because I do think there's so many people out in the universe and everybody has cell phones. Everybody's moving. You have to hit the market. You just can't stay like hunkered down to what you know through traditional forms of reaching out to people. Yeah. It's not scalable anymore with technology. And we, we did, we worked on this project a few years ago, like six years ago. Okay. And it Women in Africa, like in all these villages, were being raped. They were being ran out, homeless. I mean, they had no real communication. So we went to, it was kind of one of the MEAs. We had millions and of cell phones. Whether they were broken or not, went to the carriers, they refurbished them, and shipped thousands of phones down to these villages of these people who don't or couldn't afford a cell phone. But we sit on cell phones. Like, we sit on I have yeah, like probably three or four old cell phones. They're probably two. usable. I'm sure they oh, yeah. work. I just want the newest, greatest, greatest iPhone yeah. on my plan. <laughs> but I feel like those should be recycled because yeah. your lifeline for safety could be that cell phone that was given to you. And so we worked with one of these companies through the MEAs that cool. gave all the cell phones to the cell phone drives. To, I mean, you think about it. If you, out of any, any bill you have in your, one of these third world countries, you're going to wait in line for hours or days just to pay your cell phone bill before you pay your electric bill or your water bill because they know that those cell phones are their only lifelines to sure. communicate, to talk, to call for help. And so I think it's kind of like 
taken a step back old school. That's where mobile does become a standalone sure. in some of these other countries that desperately need the help. So I always try to say, look, even though we're so far ahead and looking to the future, we can't ignore and neglect some of the basic needs of some people around the world. No, I so I always have to kind of it's more like humanitarian effort. We rent this great company, and we work with um, Angelino Magazine, Modern Luxury. And I think Christy and Janella is actually going to be on your show in the next Very few cool. weeks. And you, they do this thing, you know, Modern Man. And yeah. one of the guys we met was from Give Boxes by Josh. These guys are amazing. They were literally using everything they had in mobile technology. Total transparency globally for charity. So if you want to go donate a dollar... $5, $500 to a charity, you have total transparency that your money got into the hands of the people in need, not just going to a board sure. or all the fees to a big company like a Red Cross, where if I gave Red Cross a million dollars for some huge catastrophe around the world, do those people who are in need really see a penny of that? Or is all that going into the overhead of the charity and all the fees? These guys have this amazing mobile app, complete mobile, where you could at any charity, go on there, and you could donate, and it tells you exactly the tracking the of the money. That's so really cool. It, where it went. So, so you know that any money you donate to anybody in need is getting to those people, not getting caught up in the red tape and everything. So it's interesting to see people are kind of old school going back to traditional. Here's why and how we're using mobile. So it's an interesting mix between that and how far somebody else has evolved using technology. No, I think, yeah, that's that's quite fascinating. But we're kind of coming to the end of the show. So do you maybe want to close and give a bit of a wrap-up again about kind of what exactly the Media Excellence Awards is and uh, what Access PR and Entertainment does and, and then uh, where people can get more information about both and then we'll end it there? Yeah, perfect. So the MEAs you can reach at MediaXAwards.com. It's one of the most prestigious and influential awards globally that honors innovation and leadership and technology, entertainment, and all things multimedia and lifestyle. And the events in mid end of January, there'll probably be a sit down dinner this year versus a big open thing we had in the past few years. And then Access Entertainment is Access A X I S hyphen entertainment dot com, you know, full service strategic PR for technology, entertainment and lifestyle brands. Perfect, Sarah. Well, I really appreciate you taking the time out of your day to be on the show, and uh, we'll probably talk in the next couple of days or two, but, uh, you know, thanks again for doing it, and uh, I look forward to seeing you in person again in January. Yeah, we're looking forward to seeing you as well, and good luck with all these other interviews. <laughs> thanks very much. All right, we'll talk soon. Okay, bye. Okay, bye. Thanks for listening. Please visit our website at buildingthefutureshow.com to join the free community. Sign up for our newsletter or to sponsor the show. The music is done by Electric Mantra. You can check him out at electricmantra.com and keep building the future.